It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is the second part of a two-part series we are doing where we discuss our interaction with coaches and how that fits into sports marketing. Welcome back, my co-host Brandon Parks, who is going to start story time again. I don't necessarily have a, a specific story, but I'll, I'll talk about powerhouses of coaches and personalities. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say this. The, the Pat Summit. She is such an iconic figure. It means so much to the University of Tennessee and so much to women's college basketball. Uh, I will tell you, you know, everybody sees the or saw the death stare that she would have from the sideline when those eyes would be just pointed right at you and she could just look right through you. And, and, and you would often get to see things from inside the locker room with pregame speeches and things like that. And, and she was real fiery and so forth. Uh, all of those things are true. But what made her so successful is that she was authentic in the sense that she could do all of those things on the, on the practice court or, or in the locker room or actually during a game with her players. But the moment that they walked off the court, she loved them just as much as individuals and cared as much about their development as a young lady and their success and what they were gonna do in the rest of their life. And it made her very authentic. And I will tell you, um, and I believe this is a true art form now because it's not, I think, I don't think it's the norm anymore. I, Pat Summit, for me, when I was 22 years old, treated me like I had been at the Vol Network for 30 years mm. from the moment she met me. And I, I always admired the way that she treated the least of those that could help her. Isn't that crazy, though, how there are some people, though, Brandon, that, I mean, it's unique. And you see it in coaches a lot because they're leaders, but that they are so incredibly genuine. And it comes across right away that it kind of takes you back. Oh, it does. Um, It it, it takes you aback. And you you almost realize that they're, they're a normal person just like you are. And they happen to have a job and a profession that's in the limelight each and every day. But they have this, they're grounded in the sense that they respect people. And no matter what your job or what your title, they're going to treat you as such. And uh, it's not like that all the time. And I'll tell you, it's not like that most of the time now. Um, and, and I think some of that goes to the high stakes that and the pressure that a lot of these coaches are under. And, and, and I get it. Uh, I get that part of it. But it makes you sincerely appreciate and root for those that you feel like do things the right way. And I will tell you, Rick Barnes, our men's basketball coach, uh, I don't know if I have, if I have met a finer man than the man Rick Barnes is today. And I think Rick would tell you that he's not always been this way, that he's had to grow and mature through his career. But I want to tell you, there's no bigger Rick Barnes fan than I am to want to see him have success and ultimately hopefully get to a Final Four and win a championship because Rick will go against the grain and prove that you can have success at the highest level but still treat people the right way. 
and it makes you pull for them that much harder. Um, and, and I have watched Rick do things, um, just, you know, small things at our call-in show for, uh, which we do at Calhoun's on the river at the restaurant, the things he'll do for the management staff there, the way he treats the, the servers that take care of him. It's just phenomenal. And it's, 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 it's as if for as busy as he is, he will always take a minute to spend time with others and brighten their day. And, you know, I know when he first came here, he wanted to meet John Ward, who was our, our long, long time voice of the balls. And John was a huge basketball fan. And, and so John had moved into an assisted living center and no one knew this until after the fact, but Rick would go down there and sit with him and he had only met him a year ago, but yet he would take time to go down and sit and visit with John Ward to brighten his day, even while all the chaos of the world and the pressure of performing on the basketball court, all those other things are going on, but he was enough of a man to realize that it's important to help people and, and to brighten people's lives and do things for people, uh, even if they're not on your basketball team. It's really and, nice. You know, I will forever be a Rick Barnes fan because of that. And we, we spent a lot of time saying nice stories, but I, you know, clearly both of us have stories that maybe aren't so nice. I mean, I, I can, I'm not going to fry individual coaches necessarily, but I, I will say that uh, I have had a ton of coaches, a lot of them, and especially in the last. I don't know, five to seven years, uh, all of us have are familiar with coaches' shows. And, and a coach's show is never a perfect situation for a head coach. I mean, I'm not sure there's a coach out there, football, basketball, whatever, that loves stopping their day and doing a coach's show. But there are so many positives that come from that for the fan interaction perspective to allowing us to have a sponsor for it, allowing the public to potentially get an inside view of a coach when he's not being answered, answering scripted press questions, all these other things. And I got to tell you, in the last five to seven years, I am just disgusted by the number of coaches out there that have created a situation where this is just too much work for them, that they won't leave their office, that they won't drive more than five minutes to go to X establishment to go do a 45-minute coaching show a week. And I know their time is valuable, and I know that practice is, is in, it's in season I also know how valuable this is. And, and, you know, the coaches that are these guys that won't do this are usually the same guys that are giving five-minute press conferences uh, and, and they're just too important. And it just, it makes it really difficult when the public only gets kind of a, a, a spoon-fed exposure to coaches. And I can't tell you how many coaches in the last five to seven years have basically blown up what used to be a great model where you'd have dinner with you know, Coach Beamer, or you'd have, you know, a cocktail hour at this restaurant with Coach Saban or whatever it is. And these guys are simply not willing to do that anymore. They are they are not willing to leave their office. They're not willing to go anywhere to, to be in front of the public. And so they make it hard for marketers to be able to, uh, to sponsor them because it, there's a whole bunch of opportunities that arise just from that, if that coach is able to go out there and do that. I mean, an offshoot of that is the summer tours. Right. I mean, every coach is, you know, traditionally um, since I think Coach Bowden actually started this, the, 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 the summer golf tour, uh, you know, and, and this is what the public gets a chance to be intimate with the coach. And it's off season. And there are coaches that think this is simply not not going to happen. And this is not in season in any way. I mean, because February yeah. I get the recruiting season and I get season season. But from the middle of May to the maybe the end of June, 
those are open dates. I know that's their, that's their time to vacation, but they can find 10 dates out there. Uh, and the fact is they just simply don't want to do that either. Um, and I guess maybe, no. the, maybe the money's poisoned it a little bit. No, you're exactly right. And I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier. There, there's, there's coaches that have a marketing mentality about them. And when you can, when you can grab a hold of one of those, then it's pure gold in what we do because mm-hmm. they understand the value and the importance of marketing. And depending upon the program that a coach inherits, some programs are going to take more sales and marketing than others. Uh, I think I think a lot of coaches get so focused on the recruiting, player development, and if I don't win on the field, nothing else matters. Mentality. Right. <laughs> so everything else is just. It's just it's static noise that's in the way of keeping them from focusing on those things that they think is going to make them successful. Right. And, um, and part and of it we, might we, be money, Brandon. I mean, part of it, if you're paying a guy a million to $10 million and you're saying, hey, if you do this, it's an extra 50000 they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm going to tell you where the tide turned on that. For many, many years, the rights holders, the multimedia rights holders at the schools uh, who, who make up a large part of a coach's compensation, they would actually mail a check to the coach. So that coach would get a physical check in the mail to know that, okay, this is for my radio and television responsibilities and my endorsements and so forth, and you literally have something to go deposit in the bank. But then over time, uh, it's changed with many schools where we as the rights holder just incorporate that into our rights fee and so the school ultimately compensates the coach so the coach no longer sees that check it's a really good point with our logo on it yeah to resonate okay i'm being compensated for my time right and i that sounds that sounds really simple but i think it no might. i think you're right I, i'll give you i'll give you a flip i I'm, and we just this just happened less than a month ago uh we have a promotion one of our clients has a promotion with michigan state and this promotion is an opportunity to have dinner with both Coach Tucker and Coach Izzo, separate promotions. So Michigan State this year, because it's just bizarre world, right? We, we have no way of, of talking to fans the same way we normally do. They scheduled a Zoom call uh, to basically to kick off this promotion. And so they gave a script to Coach Izzo. Please tell these people that are on Michigan State fans that are on this Zoom call that if you want to have dinner with me, uh, please register at this website, which you would think the coach is going to read it as a script and it's going to be, like you said, a pain and he'll move on. To give, you, to give coaches, I, I, I wish I could just share the entire voiceover for, for with you right now. Coach Izzo, when he comes on the screen and this script is in front of him, stands up and basically says, guys, not only can you have dinner with me, but here's what I'm going to do. If we like you enough after dinner, I'm going to put you on the bench with me. You're going to be able to sit right next to me on the bench at a game. And, you know, if I'm not coaching very well, I'll just let you take over. Okay? (laughs) Wow. So he goes off for like 45 seconds just having a blast. Everyone knows it's puffery, but it's just unscripted gold, right? Yeah. And so he finishes this thing. Brandon, three days later, the client calls me. This is the launch now. We had almost 10,000 people register for that contest. Wow. In three wow. days, because Coach Izzo went off script and had fun. And that's exactly why we get this business. To have a coach that has fun and understands what it's about. And the ultimate winner is our client, who just got 10,000 names in a data contest that's hopefully going to mean real business to them. I mean, that's, that kind of stuff is just incredible. Do you, think, do you think it is easier for a basketball coach 
to have, I would say, more flexibility and willingness to do those things because they are only having to manage a team of, say, 16 players, maybe 20 players with walk-ons versus a football program where you've got 100, 125 with walk-ons and I, you have so much more to manage. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, don't, I think it's, it's not even arguable. I think, and, and just think about that from a recruiting perspective, right? I mean, a recruiting class for a basketball coach, he may recruit 30 guys to get four, right? Right. And, and a football coach is going to recruit 400 to get 20. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I also think that they're, they're playing a 30-game schedule so in in football you've got 12 regular season games though each one of those games means so much but in a 30 game schedule similar to, you know when you look at an NBA or a major league baseball schedule they have so many games that that it almost it becomes to feel more normal that you're coaching 30 games versus football where where each and every week the preparation is such and you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday exactly what you're doing and it just feels it feels extremely rigorous, and it feels it feels like the planning for that, and the just how monumental each individual game is versus in basketball you have a thirty game schedule and and you you're doing that over four or five months and it I don't know I think there's a big difference between football and basketball, and and to be honest in a lot of ways with the coaches that we've had here the basketball coaches seem to be a lot more open to doing more things that you think. My goodness, it's like Coach Ezzo. I would have never asked him to do that, but here he is volunteering the opportunity to do that. That's incredible. Yeah. And, well, and, and here you just said basketball, but take it to another level, which I think you'll agree with. And I'm not sure how much experience you have of this at Tennessee, but it's the Olympic sports where the coaches are so damn hungry and they can make an unbelievable difference. We had a, uh, a grocery sponsorship uh, with LSU. Uh, and the gymnastics coach at LSU is just an icon, and she showed up at the grocery store the day it was announced to show that she was going to change her shopping habits and be there. And this is the gymnastics coach, and it ha just ha happens at that, that particular school. Everyone knows who this woman is. It got TV coverage, and the Olympic sports all over the United States are those coaches are hungry, and maybe it's all the things we just talked about, right? It's they have less salary, so it means more to them to do a little bit more. It means more for their sport to get exposure, and when people sponsor their sport, those sponsors tend to get elevated way past value because they can then explode. They're, they're one of three or four or five or at most eight sponsors for that sport, and in some cases, they might be the only major sponsor for an Olympic sport, and so those coaches appreciate that and go way, way, way out of bounds to make sure those sponsors are appreciated back, and so that... It feels a little bit like sponsorship 20 years ago, as opposed to now when it's just harder and harder to cut through. And great point. So if you say football to basketball is one level, basketball to Olympic sports, woo! <laughs> no, and 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 they're recruit. They have to have a sales and marketing mindset because they're trying to recruit fans to their program. And at some point, you know, at Tennessee, we don't have an indoor track facility. We may want one one day and we need we may need someone to be a champion donor to help build that facility right and i think they understand i have to be someone that is ingrained in this community that has connections 
because as, as good as a development office will do, it's ultimately going to take me coming in to help close something to get something done like that. And you're exactly right. The, the Olympic sports and some of the, the sports that don't get as much visibility, I think those coaches are, are eager. In fact, I'll tell you, we've been in a rebuilding mode on our, with our baseball program. And our baseball coach, Tony Vitello, he is an incredible speaker uh, who I use him anytime I can just because he just stands up there and pours his heart out about what it means to be at Tennessee and what it means to coach this baseball team. And people immediately just love the guy. And, and I think he knows one by one, he's, he's building up a roster of fans and supporters that when, uh, when it comes time that he needs to get some, some additional tools in the toolbox to help him be more successful, he's going to have some people around him to help him get that done. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess what I say, I mean, I think times are changing. I'll give you a great example of how in just his, whatever it is, nine or ten years, however long Coach Swinney has been at Clemson, we were privileged enough to have multiple deals uh, at Clemson uh, at a certain point. It was before they had a rights holder. Uh, and, and so we had just – and so because of that relationship, which we'll probably do in a podcast all by itself, the differences between not having a rights holder or having a small school or big school. But anyway, in that era – Whenever we did anything, Coach Swinney was new. He was hungry. He, he's a great salesman, obviously, a terrific recruiter. And when we first got to know that program, he went out of his way to meet us, you know, two idiots from Tampa that were in town. And he jumped out of his office and introduced himself and asked us about Tampa and was just so engaging. It was incredible. And I could see right away why he's a great recruiter. And, and he was kind in every sponsorship relationship that we set on, on, on the table. He went out of his way to make great. Well... And I'm telling you, for four or five years, this was the case. Well, we had a grocery partnership, and now Clemson, you know, we're, we're four or five, six years later. Clemson is now uh, close to what they are today in terms of a power. Uh, Dabo's time is now divvied differently. His power in the – he's now running the athletic department as opposed to being a coach. And we had this grocery relationship where he was um, tasked, is contractually tasked to go to a grocery store to do the call-in show. That was where the call-in show was, at a grocery store. So different locations all over uh, the upstate South Carolina area, hay bales, big tents, the whole thing. People got to come out and sit and listen to Dabo talk for an hour. Big win. Well, he goes out to do the coaching show one night, and he's late for the show. And so he's screaming up some back road in South Carolina and in the parking lot of this particular grocery store, he gets pulled over by a trooper. Get, gets a ticket in front of all these fans. The ticket, he says, you know, I think he gave him the classic line, you know, I'm, I'm Coach Swinney, do you know who I am? And the, and the cop says, I'm a Gamecock fan, here's your ticket. <laughs> and he gets out of the car, does the show, and then calls the athletic department and says, I'm going to do the show from my office from here on out. Yeah. And I'm not sure I can blame him. His time demands changed. The money back to him changed. Everything changed, but it made it hard because now you've got a sponsor that didn't get what they signed up for. You've got a whole bunch of people scrambling to make good on something that was contractually obligated, but you get it, right? I mean, this is a guy who might have 20 minutes of free time a week, <laughs> right, with what he's going through, you know, it, it, and from all the demands. You understand it, but from a marketing perspective, makes it tough. So that's our challenge. That's our challenge. That's my challenge when I'm represent, representing clients and we're trying to do deals that involve coaches. Uh, and it's your challenge to try to figure out the right way to put your coach in a position where they can win. Uh, and it's certainly not easy in, in, in the big revenue sports. No, it's not. And I think you have to, um, 
we have to learn our coaches. We have to learn what they're comfortable doing. We have to learn what role they're comfortable in playing uh, with the client. And you always want to put them in those positions to, to where they feel comfortable about it because uh, that's going to get them back to do more of those things versus asking them to do something that maybe that is out of their character. Right, um, right. And, and, and that's a big piece of it. Um, but, you know, overwhelmingly, I've had an incredible experience in 20-plus in years in, in dealing with coaches. And, you know, we, we've had a couple here, I won't name names, uh, who were less than desirable to um, – uh, to, to be around and I, we often laugh about it is would you want to go have a beer with that guy uh, and if, if your answer is no then we pretty much know where we're headed from the, the coach's <laughs> marketing perspective but um, but but what does make it worthwhile is when you when you have the the Pat Summits or the Rick Barnes of the world those kind of guys uh, and gals pass your way and you get to interact with them and it reaffirms why you do what you do. Yeah, um, there's no doubt. By the way, Coach Bowden doesn't drink, so that probably is going to blow that theory right up. Well, yeah, we can have a glass of milk. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's a fascinating aspect to our jobs. I can tell you it can be the most frustrating, challenging aspect of your job if you, if you don't have that coach that's willing to... to, to, to help you out from a marketing perspective. But then I can also tell you, it can be the most gratifying experience when you take a coach, get on an airplane, and this happened to us, fly over to Nashville, Tennessee, and put them in front of 500 agents of the Farm Bureau Insurance Company and have them deliver a 15-minute motivational speech, and you walk out of there knowing Tennessee athletics is a significant part of their identity, and we're ingrained and woven into their brand and our coach just solidified that for years and years to come because he resonated with them. Yeah, you're, you're right. And when you win, you win, man. The great, the right guys can just explode it for you. And the bad guys, you got to cover them up. That's exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. Well, Brandon, thank you again, buddy. We're going to, we're going to, this is, uh, I think we're going to have this, this is going to be part two, because uh, I think we're going to have to split this in half, but we've had a great time. Thank you, buddy. Uh, I'm Paul Sickman with Knox Sports, and that's Brandon Parks. Thank you for listening to yet another edition of Knox Talk.